Welcome to the Pastors Podcast. This is Pastor Scott, and with me today are Demetrius Nathan. How are you guys doing? And John Moss. Hello, everyone. And I'm I'm really looking forward to our conversation today because um, today we're going to be talking a little bit about the history of the Black Church in America, um, and particularly how that shapes and how that impacts and maybe ought to impact our identity as a church, as a church family. Um, and one of the things that brought this up in my mind, I, obviously it's Black History Month, um, which is an opportunity to talk about, to highlight, to maybe even identify aspects of Black history that haven't been traditionally taught or we haven't traditionally thought about. Um, and I think that's actually an important piece of thinking about church history generally. American church history generally, and even our church history specifically. I mean, I, I'll, I'll confess to you guys, when, when I think about the history of our church family, um, I have traditionally thought of the, tradition, the, the, the traditional stream of the black church in America as someone else's story or some other church community story. Um, I, I, I haven't thought of it as our church story which uh, up until maybe, I don't know, four or five years ago. And what that has exposed in me, even just I think exposed in my heart, is that, that there's, there's a part of our story as a community, right? That, in, that if we are not an, simply an organization that simply traces its history back organizationally, but if we are a church family and a part of our church family, it streams flow into this, this stream that the Lord is building now from the black church in America. And I don't think of that as a part of our story, then I'm, I've misunderstood the story that God is writing with, uh, our, with our church family and with the, the, the multi-ethnic community that he is, is, is growing here. And so, um, that's a part of what led me to, I mean, we've had conversations about this individually, but that's what part of what, what led me to want to talk about this in this context more and just even as a church family think about consider and glean from the the stream that flows into our church family that is the tradition of the black church in um, America uh, does it first of all does it surprise you that I that wasn't a part of my uh, how I viewed kind of the the history of the streams of the tradition of our church family no, no, I don't think it surprises me. Um, uh, in particular, part of that probably is because I, I may not know all of your experiences totally. in life. So, of course, um, I think it's it's unique and part of like as you grow in relationship with people, learning like where they're from, um, what their experiences are, um, and how those and how those experiences impact what um, how their life moves forward. I think. Mm. Uh, without knowing your experiences, not knowing, you know, have you been to certain parts of America where, uh, that are very different from California, mm -hmm. you know, um, then I, I wouldn't expect, I'm not surprised by that. Totally. Just, totally. Yeah. I'm not surprised at all yeah. either. Like yeah. it wouldn't like the reality is you don't have to, like it's easy mm. living in America that you don't have to have that as something that you have to, be intentional about yeah, yeah, yeah. And some yeah well, and it's in some ways it's, it feels like easy to be like oh we're a multi-ethnic church and our like in that sense our, our church history is just majority culture mm -hmm. but you're like wait wait <laughs> those two those two things don't make sense together right as I, and so anyways i i i've really been blessed and benefited by our, our relationships a whole host of other just, I mean, this is also not limited, obviously, to the black church in America, but to all sorts of different backgrounds yes. that have shaped and that do shape our identity as a church family. Um, but I think I thought it was an opportunity to take the time to talk about um, the black church in America specifically. And so why don't we maybe start with both of your backgrounds? What, what was your church? What were, what were your church backgrounds like? Um, what were your parents' church backgrounds like? Yeah, I'll go first. Yeah. Um, I grew up in a predominantly black church. Um, we went to, we had midweek Bible studies. We mm -hmm. had Sunday school on Sundays, and then we had church service after Sunday school. So 
Um, church was a staple in our family's life. And my parents, both my parents grew up in black churches. Um, one of the main black churches denominations is the Southern Missionary Baptist. Mm. That is well known with a lot of pretty much most black Baptist churches are a part of the Missionary um, Baptist Association, mm-hmm. even though that's very, there's so many different Baptists. Baptist, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, like they grew up like going to church. My dad was a deacon. My mom oversaw the kids ministry at our church. So I grew up having my mom as one of my Sunday school teachers. Um, and so we were always involved in church, um, always at church. Nothing could, so no school activities, um, sports could not interrupt church. And so mm. if a sporting event or anything happened on a Sunday, I was not able to participate in that sporting event or academic event. Um, Sundays was something that you cannot touch, particularly during church time. Mm. My experience is probably identical really? to the really? majors. Really? Absolutely. Even down to, we were, uh, I was a Southern Missionary Baptist Church. Growing up, my um, if you couldn't go to church, you pretty much couldn't do anything the rest of the week. So you you would, you would figure out a way like you could you could have a stomach flu anything like you were gonna go to church mm. nine thirty Bible study nine thirty uh, Sunday school eleven to two service yes and uh, then and then kind of unique and and I don't know what wait wait, I, wait, wait. can we pause real quick yeah eleven to two service eleven to two service I, I just want everybody to feel how. How how short our services are. And and you know, we would do after after so from two to four, typically um some of the mothers of the church they might like make food or something and you would eat. And then mm. at four o'clock we would get with another church and do what we call a fellowship. And mm. uh we would get together and we had those um <laughs> I mean <laughs> It's very rare that we did not have one of those, but it was interesting because you would you would get with other churches and yes, I his, it, at That's least cool. I I grew up in the Metro Detroit area and those churches were all it, it was what the black churches did, mm. but we never did that with a church of a different ethnicity. Wow, no, same same here. Yeah. Like a like the black churches would get together and have a time of fellowship, and yeah. even if it was a different denomination, like yeah. it was, you got together as a community and. Yeah, hmm. hung out. So, so what? What were your? Did either of your parents grow up in the church? Like, what? What were their yeah. church experiences like? Was it exactly like that? Like, were your parents experiences like, or, or was it different in any way? I'll I'll, t- I'll take this one because yeah. I I uh, I actually uh, years ago I I did, I did a lot of research about this because I was trying to understand um just understand a little bit more about my parents and everything. Well, my, my father grew up on the plantation, the same plantation that he was, uh, that his family were slaves on before. Mm. And at, at the, you got to imagine like what the rural, rural South is like, uh, in the forties and fifties. So my, uh, they had one, they went to church every Sunday, mm. but there were different pastors that traveled. Okay. So you didn't know, necessarily you knew where you were going. You Mm -hmm. didn't know who was going to be preaching. Um, and that was my, my father's experience. And my father's dad was of a Methodist background. His, his mom was of a Baptist background, but so (laughs) some, some Sundays they were at a, like a Methodist type church. Some Sundays they were at a Baptist church. Most services were outside. Um, you know, uh, they were, uh, they were in, in old buildings. Um, and and that's kind of what their their experience was like. And oddly enough, my father's the school was the same as the church building. So mm. um my my father to this day, like he has he can recite a psalm, you know, from the top of his head because mm. when he was going through school, like uh, you know, first, second grade, their books were the Bibles because they, they would go <laughs> to school and it's like, okay, we're gonna do reading, like open your book to Psalm. And so he he always tells uh he, you know, he would always tell those uh, types of stories, but uh, that was that was my my parents' experience until they moved to the city. Then they they went to a more traditional church. But um, you know, the uh, I I wondered the reason I had that conversation with my parents. I wondered, you know, why are um, 
because even growing up, we went to an all black church is like everything seemed so segregated, but then understanding that that was really the only um, opportunity of worship afforded to mm. people in the South at that time. Um, they were not necessarily welcomed into your uh, any other type of mm. services. So, um, and, th and they didn't have dedicated pastors, you know, mm. like, uh, like we're so blessed to have, you know, dedicated elders and dedicated mm. pastors to teaching and things like these were pastors that, you know, were farmers mm. seven days out of the week. They were also preparing a sermon. They also yeah. had their family and they also had to travel around, mm. you know? So, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's very unique. And I think it's, an, it's kind of cool to understand, um, that tradition, but also like the place that the church held within the community. Mm. Um, there weren't many other places where you could go and be, uh, you know, socially, it, it was a place of everything. Like mm -hmm. you, it was, it was a social meeting place. It was a, um, you know, it was like my, for my dad, it was the school, it was the, the meeting place, it was everything, you know? So yeah. that's, that's really what it kind of, uh, that was kind of his his experience mm. like growing up. No, yeah. Um, the church for my parents was their community hub was where if things were going socially, like that was the place you went. If there's things that people needed, the church was the place. Yeah. Like the church was the community, like was the town center. Yeah, and yeah. like for many blacks, um, like the black church is like to think of my parents' time and not being connected with a church, you're not almost connected with the community, like for many black Americans. Um, mm -hmm. So my parents grew up in a black church. Their parents grew up connected to a black church. Like it mm -hmm. was, like it's hard to think about a time for my parents and their generations that most people, uh, most African Americans were not connected with mm. a church. Um, that was on the, like that was the margins of a slim margin of people that were not connected with the black church. So mm. yeah, my grandmother was involved in the church, um, sung. My mom was in the church growing up. Mm. I remember seeing pictures of her in her Sunday outfits. Mm. Um, my dad grew up going to church. His dad was a deacon. Um, and so like, it is just yeah. like, that is part of, the black culture, um, the church was such, is such a huge anchor um, for black communities where that is, it's not just a place where they come to hear a message, but it's really a place where they find refuge and a place that they are able to safely able to speak up on things or share um, areas where they may be hurt or things that they may be frustrated with in the community or even a place where you have advocates um, within the black church be able to speak to those that are in authority are saying, no, this is what we're going to do to help mm. these people in our community. So, mm. so I, I mean, I think that, that gets at, it begins to get at part of my, my next question, which is, you know, we have a multi-ethnic church, right? And we talk about the importance of that. We talk about why we think that's important. We talk about why that's a, it's a blessing to get to be a part of that. Um, why has the, black church in America been important and why is it still important? Um, cause I think that we can sometimes singularly, uh, find these things that are, that are beautiful, right. In, in what God is doing in his big C church, right. Like being a multi-ethnic church. And that, that's something that I think is beautiful. It is exciting. It is, uh, one of the things God's doing, but it can also maybe cause us to not recognize why, um, other types of churches or churches that are made up differently um, have been important historically and why they are still important today. So um, yeah. How, how would you speak to the, the importance of why the black church has been an important, I mean, you have already, but how, how would you explain on why the black church was important and why it still is important? So it's kind of, it's a loaded question. <laughs> um, I think, uh, so when you look at, when you look at um, 
kind of the the African American experience, I think, in the U.S. the the importance of the Black Church um, really, uh, it you know, it. I mean, I, I don't know how far you actually would go back, but I mean, you really have to look at that things were segregated yeah. and we, we, you know, in the U S we, we lived under this forcibly. So for, yeah, we lived yeah. under this thing of forcibly, forcibly being segregated. So, um, now the unique thing I think about, uh, just Christianity and having a savior in, in Christ is that this still spoke to people who were enslaved. Mm-hmm. And, and I think naturally, um, it spoke to them in a mighty way and they became, uh, they, they recognized, they became brothers. They, they became this, this idea of family. So you're, you're dealing with people, if, you know, like if you look, think about in slavery times, you're dealing with people that are being sold and moved from people that they know and different families. Mm. But then when they get to another place, if they find people that believe in Christ, they, they found another family. And, and that, I think that type of brotherhood kind of stayed even as we went, you know, slavery time ends and, and now you have people and it's like, well, how do I find people that, you know, are, or believe what I believe in? And, and that's, that's kind of the place the church took. Um, mm-hmm. I think coupled with that, um, like Demetrius was saying, it, it was one place where, um, you know, you could go and you could find people of, of similar experience different things. And, and I also think historically the church, uh, especially the black church, you, you think about even going up into um, the civil war, you know, a lot of the songs they sung mm. were very emotional, very, uh, you know, like the Negro spirituals are very emotional, mm-hmm. very grounded songs that, that also carried a, another message about freedom and about, um, you know, the, giving hope to the despair that these uh, that people were experiencing, and and I definitely think that carried on, and to this day carries on um, in some of the the songs and tradition of the of the Black Church, uh, because when you think about um, at least my experience growing up, a lot of our sermons were not. Uh, you know, not necessarily crafted as in terms of like going through an entire book, but they were crafted upon like what is facing me this week. Mm-hmm. And uniquely for the the pastor, like in our community, whatever was facing him this week, probably 80% of our church was experiencing, was experiencing too. The same. Yeah. yeah. So the sermon was, you know, spirit led, but really um, crafted towards, towards that. So, yeah. and, and I think that that importance, um, of necessarily speaking to where, where people, uh, people were, what they were feeling socially, economically, and, uh, just in their everyday life was, was a huge in, importance to, um, yeah, to the, to the black community and, um, black people uh, and still is today. Mm. Yeah. Um, no, like the black church has, has one has come out of a place of like slavery, a place of them being in bondage. Um, Mm. And it was a place where the voiceless could have a voice. Mm. Um, It was a place where um, they could feel safe, have community and have refuge, like where the oppressed was able to have community. Um, And so it is, it's, it somewhat shows the power of the gospel because the group of people that, somewhat presented the gospel to them the first time were the ones that were oppressing them. Um, Mm -hmm. And when they saw and heard what was, what took place in the scripture and what the scripture talked about, they saw a hope. They saw something like, wait a minute, if our masters truly believe this, Mm. shouldn't this, shouldn't this radically transform who they are and Mm. like in the way that they treat us? Like, like you hear stories, like I'm going to share like Frederick Douglass, when he found out that his master became a Christian, that was one of the happiest days. It was like, wait a minute, I maybe get, I, I, like, I, I'm, like, if he knows what is true, yeah. I'm going to be free. Yeah. And then he's like, wait a minute, it's not lining up to what I know what 
God's word says mm. and how I'm seeing it being played out. And mm. so one, you just see like the endurance um, of the black church, um, as John mentioned, like they sung songs with emotions, but they knew how to lament, like they knew how to lament of sorrow, but with also a hope and a joy of knowing who is the creator, the one that's holding all things together. Mm. Um, as most black pastors, they are bivocational. Like, like I grew up in a church where none of the pastors full-time job was ministry. Like mm. they were doing ministry or in driving a bus, um, doing ministry and working at the shipyard. Like mm. it was this and this. And so, as John mentioned, like they, even when they preached, they preached about things that are taking place in the community, in their lives at that moment in time. Um, and also they had to combat this challenge of um, where one side they're hearing, particularly later on in the sixties and seventies, like they're hearing a voice of the secular black saying, Christianity is the white man's religion. Mm. And so they had to stand up and say, no, this is like, this is, this is not the white man's religion. This is like, Jesus was a Jew. Mm. Jesus, like there are many people, many nations in the Bible that this is a book for all people, that this is not just, this is the gospel is not a white man's religion. So they had to combat that and saying, this is what orthodoxy is. And then they also had to combat where people saying, you shouldn't speak about social issues. Mm -hmm. You should be silent about these social issues. And so then they're getting even from some other Christians saying, no, that's a stumbling block. Like you are, you're hindering the gospel going forth by like, come on, let's just take this one straight at a time. Let's like, let's not make a mountain out of a molehill. Mm -hmm. And they're like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, this is not, this is a mountain that we need <laughs> <Yeah>. to overcome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like this is not making a mountain out of a molehill no, and yeah. we will be disruptive in saying this is the truth of what God says and how we should love our neighbors. This is when we see injustice, we need to speak into this. And so they had to balance this attack from both sides. Mm. Um, and they have had to hold that throughout the history of the black church. And that is something that like, wow, like you're getting attacked for saying, oh man, you're believing in a white man's religion. Mm. And then you're getting attacked of saying, shh, don't be talking about social issues mm. um, because that's just going to be disruptive. And, what we want to do, like, mm. like it's disrupting the norm or disrupting people's peace, which that peace need to be disrupted. Yeah. You know, it's, it's both so moving and powerful to think about. And it's so, um, when I hear about the faithfulness of these brothers and sisters uh, throughout all sorts of decades and centuries in uh, even just our country's history, um, I I look at it and I, I I resonate with that faithfulness that that inspires me on it. It makes me to want to be more like that. It makes me want to swim in that stream, right? And which, in one way, is really helpful because when I hear about the um, the, the history and and not all, I think that there were you know uh, white churches who pursued that. Um, those same type of civil rights, but there was broadly a lot of white churches that tried to kind of reinforce the status quo you and manipulated, utilized religion in that way. And, and like, I, I don't resonate with that. Right. I'm like, wait, wait, like it, that's the stream. Like that's the, the that's the denomination, <laughs> right? That's the uh, thing we've been a part of. And it, and it does like, it doesn't resonate, but it, in some ways the, in all sorts of different ways, there's a faithfulness through that stream. Um, there's a faithfulness in all the different streams in, in America. I don't mean mm -hmm. to, to discount that, but, but there is a, but to make the point, there's a faithfulness of both Christ-like passion, trust, and love that has flowed so powerfully in the, um, in the black church that, I look at him like, wait, that, that's, that's the stream, right? That faith, that, that's the stream. So in light of that, Demetrius, I'm going to ask you a question I hadn't prepared for this. <laughs> okay. We'll, 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 keep it if, we'll keep it if you want to. But <laughs> I was taught 
at the very least implicitly, if not probably explicitly, not as a child, but in my adult theological education, that the black church was theologically suspect. <laughs> you know, the, like, like the theologians that were reading, like that, that there, there's good stuff there and they're brothers and sisters in Christ, but like to learn from them might not be a great idea because it, it, it might, you know, uh, uh, it might tend towards liberalism, which I, the, the more I learned, like the less it makes it. So I, 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 I'm asking you, Demetrius, yeah. if, I mean, you've been in some of these same academic streams. Is that just me? Have you, have you encountered that? Did I like, you know, maybe even imbibe something that, that wasn't there, but if, have, you, have you encountered that at all? And, and if so, why is that not accurate? Yeah. Um, so one, Scott has asked me this question because I did go to Bible school and that I am right now finishing up my master's degree totally. in preaching and pastoral ministry. So, yeah, I mean, John, you can answer this too, but it's like, you know, but in the, mm-hmm. yeah, you're, you're, you've, you're, you've been in these, uh, same yeah. theological and academic settings. Yeah. So the theological academic world I have been in. And so that's, yeah, now so I understand why you're asking that question. Yeah. So. The sad reality is that I have also, I fell prey to that um, early on. And hmm. lo- thankfully, you, I'm, you, you fell prey to thinking the same uh, thing. Yes. Oh. Like it is even in the academic world where you are reading about a guy named St. Augustine. And all you think about is this white guy with a big beard uh-huh. um, that is probably from Europe. But then you start studying church history and realizing, wait, St. Augustine was from Northern Africa. He was an African. Like, wait a minute. Like, some of the founding fathers of the church, Mm -hmm. the early church fathers were multi-ethnic people. Like, they were from Mm -hmm. all over. Um, But when I thought about church history, I learned a lot about a lot of dead white guys. and saying, yeah. where's the black voice? Like, man, like, where's the black writers? Where are, like, the predominant black pastors? And even realize, like, wait, for, quote, unquote, a black pastor get a good theological education, they have to go to a predominantly um, white institution. school, institution, yeah. to get yeah. their education. Um, and so you start questions like, wait a minute, man, why didn't, why didn't my church teach this? Or why didn't like systematic theology, like I'm learning for the, someone for the first time in this setting, like, man, all these huge words, like what in the world? Like then I was like, wait a minute. Like I am questioning the place that I came to know Jesus Mm. and questioning the men and women that were faithful Mm. to teach the word of God, faithful to live it out, faithful to, train us up in the ways that we should go um, and had a love for the scriptures. Um, seeing my mom on a regular basis, waking up, praying and opening her Bible. Like that is a picture I've always remembered of my mom. Even still today, like mm. she was faithful to open up her Bible. Like, and I even went to seminary and thought, man, since I've known all this, like this stuff, you know what? I need to teach my mom. <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute, how arrogant can I get? Like, these men and women have lived challenging lives and experienced hardships and have paved the road for me to be able to have the opportunity to study at these higher educational places, mm-hmm. be able to get trained in the Bible. And I'm questioning, man, were they faithful to handling the scripture? Like, how, how, like, how, how, the reason I'm here, the reason why I'm even able to do this podcast is because of their faithfulness to God's word, their mm-hmm. faithfulness to me, faithfulness to like to speak into my life. Mm. And just because they were not ones that had the uh, the opportunity to go to higher education and get trained mm. um, or that they had to be by vocation, like by vocational pastors where they were working and like. Mm. they were being faithful to what they had and what God has called them to. And mm. like, 
sadly, I have fell prey to like, man, like the black church, man, like, man, like they don't have all the same, like they, they didn't get trained like they were supposed to. Mm. It's like, wait a minute, their life has been the training field and mm. they haven't seen the scriptures and saying, this is what it looks like for us to live out the truth of God's word. And they have been faithful to God's word. Like so many people want to say the black church is progressive, but <laughs> you like you, you don't know the heart, like the black church, like, like there's so many strains of the black church, but like, yeah, yeah. John, you want to speak to that? Uh, not necessarily speak to it, but I, I totally echo what um, Demetrius is saying and what he's sharing there. It's, um, it's, I think a, um, it's such a, right, just an image of how faithful God is, yeah. right? Because the truth is, um, even if, if you think about black church history and what, you know, like, remember slaves weren't encouraged to learn to read. Yeah. They were not encouraged to, in fact, after 1831, no more than three were allowed to be together in certain areas because there was fear of revolt. So, mm. but with what they had, they were faithful to it. They were faithful yes. to sharing it. And, um, and those are things that, that they were faithful to sharing it and making sure that they passed it down. Um, and I, I think we, you cannot take that for granted. Um, you know, God is faithful and they were faithful to the, to the message given to them. Yes. And, mm. and those people have, um, you know, uh, you know, carried on that, that tradition. I, I, and, and there's, and there's so much that comes out of that, I think, in the black church. Like, I, I remember growing up, we would sing songs and we sing them in a form, uh, like a call and response form. Yes. And, and like where, where this came from was the fact that you didn't have, not everybody could read or say the same thing. So one person says it and the other people repeat it back, but it's, mm. there was truth in that. Yes. And um, yeah, it's just, yeah, I, I echo everything to me. You said it's uh, mm. just uh, absolute, absolute truth. And um I, I I do think it also parallels sometimes the what we see in majority culture of trying to make other culture um, less than mm. essentially you know because yeah. it doesn't look like um it doesn't look like what we're used to mm -hmm. you know or or something else so you know that's uh, that's really interesting what what it makes me think of as you as you're talking is that it it probably is going to be harder to glean from those that stream for someone who grew up outside of it, like myself, right? Like, like you know, I, in, in part, I want to go like, okay, co cool, like just you know, give me the books on Amazon, I should read, you know, and like I'll you know, go do that, right? But and and there, there probably are some of those. Actually, I'm going to ask you if there's if you have any recommendations. But I I think there's also not this same uh, this history that was re recorded in the same formats. Right, that's as easily accessible. It, it's it takes less efficient means of of gathering the information, right? Like even like conversations like this, mm -hmm. right? To to glean from those faithful brothers and sisters, right? Who who were working bivocationally and not pastor, speaker, author, <laughs> right? But pastor, bus driver, mm -hmm. um, and and how many times that's multiplied just across. God's a gigantic church, you know, even particularly his church here in America. I mean, so on that though, I mean, are there any either um, authors, books, you know, articles, things that you have found helpful in um, gleaning, growing, even that maybe you would suggest to others to, to glean from voices in the black church in that way? There's one voice that is, becoming more known even now is Esau Macaulay. Mm. Um, he wrote Reading While Black. Mm. He's an Anglican priest, and he is particularly speaking, like one, he is a church history historian and just wanting to understand the black church and the history of it and just his experience, probably similar to mine, of growing up in a predominantly black church, went to the academics, start questioning the black church that he grew up in, and then start realizing, man, the beauty of what the black church has taught him and the beauty of their faithfulness. And particularly like one thing he brings up in 
his book is how the history of the black church is not written down, but it's in the pulpit. Mm -hmm. Um, And where Mm -hmm. the legacy and the history of how preachers preach and the way that they approach um, communicating God's word is the history of the black church um, Mm. of how John mentioned that call and response. It is sometimes you respond to help the person that is speaking, but I, 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 but it was just that things like we are here with you. Like, like don't think you're doing it by yourself. Um, And there is part of that that you can glean on. And then you have another person that is, is her name is Lisa Fields and she does the Jew three project. Um, And that is, a lot of just wanting to understand the black church and the black history and um, understanding how is the black voice important, particularly the black Christian voice important, important to right now today's events. Mm. Um, and so those are two current people yeah. that I would recommend just listening to or reading their stuff. Like um, both of them have podcasts and things, but also are writing things. And then Frederick Douglass, like, I read his autobiography and realized, man, that man um, experienced a lot and seen, particularly seen, it was hard for slaves to disconnect slavery and Christianity due to most of their masters were Christians, leaders in the Christian church. And for him, even as he writes about his time as a slave and then his time of becoming free um, and just him like holding like, man, the scriptures say this, mm-hmm. but I'm seeing this. And it's not like, let me throw away the scriptures because it's false, but saying, I'm not seeing it like if this is supposed to transform people's lives. Mm-hmm. Why aren't these people's lives being transformed? Mm-hmm. I'm still hold this to be true, even though the person that is using sometimes out of context, many times out of context to oppress me. Mm. I can't hold the scripture at fault for that. Mm. Um, and so he's like, just his autobiography, like, man, like his journey, like, and just like him still seeing, like, like there's parts where I'm reading this, like, are you going to give up on Christianity? Like just give up on God? Like, he's yeah. like, no, he doesn't. Like, yeah. like it's still a part of who he is. And then the last person I would recommend is, since we're in Black History Month, is Dr. Carter G. Woodson. Um, He is the father of Black History Month. He was the second person to graduate from Harvard um, with a PhD after after W.E.B. Du Bois. Mm -hmm. And like he, one, we don't know his name that much because he was a historian. He wrote down the history of... Can can I confess? Yeah. I've never heard his name. I know. Wow. So like, I mean, like, I, I honestly, I like, I wanted to hide that. Like, I wanted no. to like be like, oh yeah, man, good, good recommendation. No. That's guy like you. You were like Frederick Douglass. I'm like, man, that's that's like required yeah. reading for my kids. Like, I'm so I'm so good. And I'm, man, like, and I, but I, I feel like I need to confess that. Like, like, even his first book that he wrote, um, the Miseducated Negro. Ah, oh, mm. the way he talks about the black church and the importance of the black church not to separate itself from the larger community, but the importance of it being a part. Um, it's like, wow, that is, <laughs> that is something that we need to really listen to. And really like, he just had to understand of like, what does it look like to be a part of the culture and help transform the culture? Um, but he put himself in the background. Like he wrote about other great people and you realize, wait, he's the first, like he is, some will say he's the only Descendant from slaves, like like his parents were slaves, mm-hmm. to graduate with a PhD mm. at a high like, at at a high institution, like mm. it blows my mind. Like this guy, no one really knows about him. But the reason why we have Black History Month is because of this guy. Mm. Um, so that's Dr. Carter G. Woodson. Um, I would recommend just picking up some of his stuff, reading a little bit about like him, just writing the history and saying, you know what one thing of really understanding culture is writing down the history of the culture and writing down how that culture has impacted the larger scope of culture. And particularly how does the black culture impact the U S and in the American history? And so 
Yeah. John, you want to? No, no, I, I have nothing to add. <laughs> I thought that was, uh, yeah, Carter G. Whitson's not one I, I would have thought of either, but you're absolutely right. I, I remember doing a report on him in second grade, but um, yeah, it's uh, the miseducation of the Negro is a, uh, I, I, it's a good read. It's a, I think it's a good read. It's, mm. uh, it's a good book. Mm. Um, and, you know, coupled with that, yeah, just something you said made me think, you know, like about how to, it's something I've always wondered, even I think through my experience of growing up in a predominantly black church to, you know, going on to university now being at Cornerstone is, is why that integration necessarily never happens. Uh, even, even in, even in like the community I grew up in, um, it just seems that the churches always stay, uh, they stay apart. Mm. Um, and it's, it's sad to think about, um, you know, just, you know, in light of like Demetrius was sharing what, you know, what the, the different groups, I guess the different groups have to share with one another and to glean from one another. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know, um, yeah, I, I, yeah, he he wrote that book over a hundred years ago. Yeah. So it's it like, so but it's so relevant. It's like <laughs> it's he's so still, yeah. Oh. yeah. That's re- I I really appreciate that. And I, you know, one of the things I'm really thankful for is that increasingly there's avenues for these histories to be made more and more accessible. Yep. Right. I, I mean, it, the internet has all sorts of curses, <laughs> but. It also makes information a lot more accessible, and then there's there's all sorts of efforts to put down even oral histories, to make accessible preaching histories, right? To um, that it, it's going to take a little bit more work, right? Than just like a quick like you know, Amazon search sometimes. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I appreciate that. What you know, one of the one of the ones that I found helpful has been Jamar Tisby as well. Um, there's some some stuff there that's you know I take or leave, but his hist- history has been eye opening to me. Yes, uh, whether it's the color of compromise or even just a, a number of different the, the work that he's doing. Um, I read a book, and I think it's actually out of print, but I I know that you can get it still through some certain avenues. But called Beyond the Suffering, it was compiled by um, Bob Kellerman and Carol Edwards. And it's it's about it was kind of this compilation of embracing the the, the subtitle is embracing the legacy of African American soul care and spiritual direction, and it's from kind of this like biblical counseling angle, you know, which is kind of my world. That says, wait, wait, hey, look at this stream that's flowed into ours that we're not paying near enough attention to because when it comes to ministering to the soul in the midst of trials, Mm -hmm. uh, this is not the stream that's suspect. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. This, this is this this is a stream that actually has a ton of um, to learn. I just gleaned from a lot of it. There's just it, it made me think of it because there's just a lot of uh, like recorded oral history voices um, compiled in something like that. But um, when when you guys think about that that stream, right, and this the stream in that sense that that you grew up in, and that in the Lord's sovereignty and perfect direction has led you to where you are now. What are some aspects of the, the African-American church in that, that history, that stream that, that we as a multi-ethnic church can and ought to glean from, um, learn from even, even just be, even if it's not like, okay, we, we adopt that be, you know, and that's what we do, but that, that we can learn from and grow from and be influenced by. John, I'm not sure if this is your experience in the black church, but I'm pretty sure it may be, but you can correct me. <laughs> um, but one, one thing that I miss, and I probably talked about it on another podcast before, is the voice of the mothers. Um, mm. In the black church, the female sage, you know who they are. They're people that you honor, respect, and they are people that care and make sure that anyone that is coming to the church feels loved and cared for. Um, mm. And their voice is such a big part of the black church. 
um, these strong, faithful women of God um, that some are raising their grandkids, their kids, but are faithful to God and faithful to making sure that their kids know who God is and who Jesus Christ is. Um, but there's this honor of them, like where, like, they could, like, as a young boy, I remember them speaking to my life and either encouraging me or exhorting me um, or rebuking me um, because of something I'm not doing. But they had that right to be able to speak in my life. And not just your mom, not just my mom, but I had other <laughs> mothers that would speak life into me yeah. and wanting to see the best of me. Um, and that was just something beautiful. Um, uh, what I miss is just these older, like it was older men and older women, but the older women just investing in the younger and just where we looked up to them. And John, I'm not sure if that was a similar experience. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's uh I, that's a that's I think part of the communal aspect I think of that the the black church had and um it has is that yeah uh, yeah the uh, church mothers um yeah they utmost respect and uh you know they were they were there to yeah they were always you know always in the front two rows with hats on yes and they could tell you uh you know, you, you couldn't like your, your only answer to them was yes, ma'am. Like, you know, kind of <laughs> like, yes, ma'am. And it's, and uh, you knew it came from a heart of love though. Um, yes. And I, I think coupled with that one thing I remember growing up in churches uh, and, and part of this, you know, uh, the church I went to wasn't, wasn't large by any means, but uh, there were certain things like everybody, everybody there had a role. Um, mm -hmm. And 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 that was something that was kind of th there were no options, you know, like 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 I told you uh, the, my choir story, right? But John John was kicked out of the choir. That's yeah, all I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. I, was, right. I was kicked out of the choir, but the you know, but there was there was all you know, like you were encouraged to participate, you were encouraged to yes. do something, mm -hmm. um, you know, whether it was Non-participation wasn't an option. Wasn't an option. It was not an option Yeah, at all. like whether, you know, like they would find something like whether, like uh, we had like trustees, they would teach other kids how to count, count the offering after and how to mm. do that. Like, or you were ushers or you were, you know, there was something for you to do and you were encouraged to, to get involved and, mm. and not, uh, again, it was from 11 to 2. So it, it wasn't, <laughs> you know, it wasn't something you just experienced. It's something you participate yes. in. Yeah. And I think that's uh, an aspect of the uh, Black Church in America that is something we could we could glean from. You know, yeah. like there was, I mean, from the moment you were able to do something, they would find something for you to do. And there mm -hmm. was, I, I, I missed that. That was it was beautiful. Um, yeah. It was beautiful to look back on because, um, yeah, I always joke. My my parents are from the volunteer state, and I, me and my brother always say like they would volunteer us for everything, but. <laughs> No, if they didn't, the mother would too. Mm -hmm. So, uh, <laughs> no, so true, so true. Like everyone was involved. Like when you talk about the body of Christ, yeah. everyone was active participants in what was taking place. Um, yeah. Like from whatever age, like you were doing something. If that was mm -hmm. helping serve communion, yeah. to helping pick up offering, to like just any anything role yeah. as, yeah. We we had a food pantry at my church, and it was like if you if you didn't want to be an usher, you didn't want to do anything else, like. There's, there's definitely work for you in the food pantry, you know, like, and you know, they, you, you would, you would, they would find something for you to do. And, mm -hmm. um, and, and also with that though, you know, as you got older, they give you something to own, mm. something you're responsible for. Yeah. And it, you know, it, it's so much about, you know, there's a lot in that, right. About teaching you how to, mm. you know, how to, how to be a protective member of society, yeah. but also, you know giving you ownership of something. And, and I think that was definitely my experience growing up. And it's something that I think we can yeah. glean. Yes. You know, there's, it's almost like a different expectation there. Instead of having roles that we need to find somebody to fill, <laughs> right? We're like, no, 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 you're a person. We're, we're going to find something for you to do. Yes. So as you think about that, as you think about, you know, the history and the, just the, the beautiful faithfulness of that stream, the, 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 the faithfulness that you 
have brought into the church family here and the way that the Lord has kind of orchestrated your lives, your families, your place of living, everything to kind of lead you into a context where you're part of a multi-ethnic church now. Um, what, what are some of the unique blessings you see as a part of a multi-ethnic church, both coming from there and getting to express that um, in, in, in this different context? For me, one of the big things is learn to appreciate and see the beauty and the diversity of God's people mm. and the diversity of the different churches mm. um, and how they have unique giftedness and unique strengths and but also unique weaknesses. Um, and then seeing like, man, like I see this is how the Hispanic church or the Spanish speaking church functions. This is how the black church functions. This is how the Asian church functions. Like this is how um, the white church functions and saying, man, there's beautiful things. There's beautiful things that they bring. But when you see them all coming together, it's like, wow, we can learn from each other. We can grow from each other. Um, we can really support each other in the areas where you are strong. I'm not strong in uh, like I'm weak at, man, there's some things that I can glean from those things. And so for me is looking at the beauty of how, like when I look at revelations seven verses nine through 10, um, of just seeing that all tribes and all peoples and all languages from every nation are going to stand before the throne hmm. before the lamb. Um, and then like knowing that he's the one salvation belongs to our God who's seated on the throne and to the lamb. It's like, we get to be a part of that on this side mm -hmm. um, and get to practice that. And what does that look like for us to enjoy and see the beauty of the diversity of God's people mm. um, and be able to be someone that humbles himself and saying, there's some things I can learn. There's a lot of things I can learn. Um, there's some things that my culture has gotten right, but there's also some things that I can learn from the other cultures and how they've gotten things right and how they've been faithful to what God has called them to. And so. I, I think the biggest blessing I see is kind of the witness to people outside of the church family. Mm. Um, and by that, I mean, I think I, even in my own life, like my, you know, my parents still go to a all, all predominantly black church, mm -hmm. right? But um, it's really like when they visit and they experience Cornerstone, it, it really opens their eyes to um, just something completely different mm. that, you know, maybe is how, you know, you know, like, wow, this is, you know, more of what like God intended people of, you know, all different backgrounds mm. per se, um, learning and worshiping him together. Mm -hmm. And I, I just think that's a, that's a beautiful blessing to see and to see other people experience as well, that, that it may not be their, um, their, their background. I, I always think of a time my, my brother was visiting and I think you were, you were preaching pastor Scott and my brother said, amen <laughs> to something you said. And you said, you can say amen, you know, and it's like, <laughs> but you know, like, I think that's something we need to bring over because I'll be honest with you, man. Like, it's like, uh, yeah, but, but I, I do think response would be yeah. good for us. <laughs> I do think that's, uh, I, 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 I think that's a, a blessing that, um, I, 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 I never have taken for granted, uh, when I invite and, um, uh, bring people that are visiting me to Cornerstone. I just think it's a great, um, you know, being a part of a multi-ethnic church and there's, there's, it, it's not a place where, you know, we're encouraging everybody to, to be a certain way other than to just become more like Christ, mm. you know, uh, and it, you know, like, um, not necessarily fit a, a certain mold of how you look, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. No, I appreciate that. And I think it's, I think it's helpful to highlight the benefit and the need historically for the black church, but, but not just historically, 
right? But the, the continued need for it in a number of different ways and in a number of different people's lives. And it makes me just so thankful for it, maybe more thankful for it at this point in life than I, than I ever have been. And so I'm just super thankful to both of you to get to share from your perspectives and get and allow us to glean in that same way, uh, hopefully be influenced, be shaped, hopefully increasingly shape our um, church family uh, from and through that. Um, so I got one last question and we don't have to, we, we don't have to keep it on the recording if you don't want to, it's, it's too pro. So I, I, both your parents are still part of black churches, but I also know that they, over the last year, they joined us on the live stream Right, like, what, what is it about like the church family? I mean, m maybe it just goes hand in hand with the fact that, like, well, hey, if Sunday's all the Lord's day, I've got plenty of time, right? Like, I <laughs> I could do you know other things, or I don't know if there's a story there, or if this is we'll just delete this <laughs> too. But I like, I, it was an interest as we were sitting down. It was an interesting uh, coincidence, just that both your both your parents have. Engaged as well, and so I figured I'd ask. I, I can share a little bit about yeah. my parents. Um, one, they listen to our service, watch our service, and then they watch their service. And so, <laughs> one, I guess they're still used to like they're like, "Oh man, that was a nice little appetizer." Yeah, our, <laughs> our service is the appetizer. All right, I like that. No, I'm joking. Warm up. No, dude. <laughs> no, like one, yeah. like one, they really appreciate the teaching and the uh, preaching and the way you guys handle God's word. And so that's one, like for my parents, they really enjoy and really are fed by um, what you guys say. And like, and just, yeah, they really appreciate the way you guys handle God's word. And so that's why they check in, but they also do go to their church, like, mm -hmm. which is, which I have conversations with my dad all the time about it, but we can cut it or we can add, <laughs> keep this, but yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure what your no, yeah, we can can leave it because I I personally think there's no chance my parents will figure out how to listen to a podcast. <laughs> uh, we just got you know I I was I was joking with Adam because we moved to YouTube and I don't want to tell my parents how to watch the service on YouTube because you know what they got Facebook figured out like let's not throw too much at them. Uh -huh, you know, they're, uh -huh. they're in their seventies, but they they too they they've been t uh, they've been joining in for almost a year now and. Um, they, my, my parents, uh, just, just like Demetrius, they're, they're two hours ahead. So they actually watch their service. Then they watch our service. <laughs> uh, they also watch a service Saturday night and Wednesday night. They're, uh, <laughs> they've, they've got uh, all their presets, um, going, but, um, uh, it, it's good for them. And they, they too have, uh, uh, I, I think uniquely, you know, right now, I know we went through the sermon series on politics like that really um my my parents really enjoyed that and would would call me as soon as it was over to to discuss it and mm. um you know like and talk about it you know biblically it was great uh and this fostered some really good conversation between us and I think also my my parents and uh like that like now we're going through Colossians like my dad just you know he can just read it and then listen to the sermon and kind of internalize it and he knows like, oh, next they're going to be in Colossians again. And he just reads it again. And he, mm -hmm. you know, so he, he does that, which like I said earlier, isn't the typical flow for yes. the churches that they attend. So he's like, it's really, he's like, uh, well, you guys are going to be in Colossians. So he's like, I just, you know, just like keep, Bible study. Yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah. <laughs> keep, I just keep reading it. And, uh, yeah. he's like, and then I get something new every time. And it's yeah. like, you know, it's God's word is, um, it's like that. And, mm. um, so yeah, it's been, it's been really, uh, it's been really, uh, it's been really good. I I think that's one of the, you know, like you said earlier, the internet is a, <laughs> you know, like it's sometimes you, you know, love it or hate it, but this has been a really unique time, I think, with the pandemic and going mm -hmm. to something like live stream where normally I only get to go to my, go to church with my parents if I'm visiting them yeah, yeah. or they're here, but mm -hmm. we've been going to church together for a year now. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, it has been cool. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thanks for letting me ask. Um, I, um, well, more than anything, I just can't thank you guys enough for taking the time to get to, to both to share about this and really to allow, even in just one more way, um, our church family as a whole to to glean from uh, both your 
past, your history, and also this this stream that maybe that that, that flows into the life of our church that maybe um, we haven't either recognized as explicitly or uh, talked about as much in the past. That I am really blessed for this to just even just for this conversation to be a piece of that. I think it's it's happening more and more. We're having more and more. Um, of these conversations in, in all sorts of different ways, right? And from all sorts of different streams. But um, as, you know, as the kids were all doing their Black History Month projects for school, because, you know, uh, of how that's, that's been highlighted. Actually, it, it gets my kids reading things they wouldn't otherwise read. It's been a real blessing at knowing names that they know that I don't, I mean, they've been teaching me um, in in so many ways. I It struck me that... Um, it was a cool opportunity for us to talk not just about black history, but about black church history and how that can continue to inform um, our narrative and continue to inform even our identity as a community um, filled with the the flows and the faithfulness of all of these different streams. So thank you guys so much for the time. Thanks for your uh, candor and your willingness to share and just for your faithfulness and for your friendship. So that was too many Fs, but otherwise I'm, I'm just going <laughs> to end there. Um, thank you guys. And thank you for listening. Um, thanks for taking the time out with us. We love you and we miss you for those of us, for those of you we haven't seen. And uh, we will see you virtually or in person on Sunday.